Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Ty and Bob Pod here at GoLong, GoLongTD.com. I'm Tyler Dunn. This is Bob McGinn. It's a pleasure to be back with you here on the old Zoom call, Bob. How in the hell are you? What's happening in your world? I don't even know what's happening with your Michigan Wolverines, so I've got no thoughts there. Uh, the Wolverines have been quite shaky. I went to a football game Saturday with my wife, Pat. We saw the Washington Huskies at East Lansing against Sparty. Final was the Huskies 41, Sparty 7. You know what? I actually watched some of that game with our old pal Justin Felder down there in Atlanta. From cool. Fox 11 Green Bay. He uh, now works in TV in Atlanta. We were catching up over a couple brewskis watching your your wife's Sparties, you know, take one to the old chin. <laughs> Boy, yeah, a little did. turmoil there with Michigan State, huh? A little turmoil. Yeah, more than a little, yeah. <laughs> so they're firing Mel for, for cause now. They informed him of that yesterday. And so now there's going to be some more fireworks here soon, I think, because he's going to fight for that whatever's in a in a seventy million still left on that deal. He's going to battle for that. Yeah, I'm not necessarily swimming in the minutia of that case but you know if your argument if your Mel Tucker if your argument is like that it was consensual or whatever it's still really bad judgment right like this is a woman who was in town to speak on sexual harassment um yeah poor poor judgment there I don't know I mean you sign a 95 million dollar contract I'd probably be careful with what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis as the head football I would think so yeah, Washington, I watched all their prospects, Tyler. I kept my eyes on their seven or eight really good players. Man, they were awesome. They have a, you know, Penix, the, the left-handed QB from Indiana. I mean, the guy was on fire. Horrible secondary for the Spartans, but still. And his receivers were making plays on 50-50 balls. These are three guys who are going to be in the draft. They got a lot of people. They got a left tackle who could be a first-round pick. So uh, the Huskies are going to be a dangerous foe when they join the Big Ten next year. Look out Buckeyes and Wolverines and Nittany Lions. I had to pull out a a copy of Blood and Guts, How Tight End Save Football here, Bob, because I had a a chapter uh, on Mark Bruner, right? The old thumper with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now he's a scout with the Steelers. Um, that was almost that was like a chapter that kind of tapped into the old '90s nostalgia. I just remember Bruner just kicking ass in line those those '90s Steeler teams. But he played for Washington, and he had some great stories from Don James. Do you remember the old coach there? Yeah, Huskies, just old school. Uh, you know, just he wanted a, a whole group of ornery players. He said, just you know, glass eaters. And huh. 1991. I believe. Was that their national championship team? Anyways, they, they had some amazing teams. Napoleon Kaufman. Um, yeah. Yeah, so good to be back. I think the older yep. you get, you know, traveling in a plane, just every I, – I just feel like more and more like you, Bob. I just kind of get more curmudgeon with each trip. <laughs> <laughs> All these little tendencies that people have just pisses me off. You know, the deplaning budgers and – Oh, you know what? You know what? Other another group of people should just be shot to the sun. At, when when so you're at the gate, right? There's more than enough seats for people to sit, or areas for you to kind of like quarantine yourself and just gently 
quietly wait for your main one or main two to get called. The, I'm sure this makes everybody mad. If it doesn't, it should. Everybody just congregating in one big blob in front of the gate. Just gate to gate to gate to gate. So everybody's hustling to get, yeah, to get to their location, <laughs> right? From A to B to C. And then you got just a, a huge amoeba of idiots just surrounding a gate. You know, their main cabin C, right? They're not even close to getting called yet. So I was very proud, Bob, as I, I was hustling to get to my gate. And I'm, you know, I've got the roller behind me. Man, I, I rolled that thing over about five people's feet and I didn't even care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't i just i didn't give a shit like they were just you know zombies wandering about no no purpose in life so right i i think our the listeners of uh the go long show with jim monas know <laughs> our our advice you know when you're deep planing and somebody tries to budge from a row behind you i want it, me and jim both want everybody to stick an elbow out so they basically walk right into your, you catch them in the sternum with your elbow, right? You can jab it a little, you know, make it subtle, hide it. And and now I think that takes care of that problem. And to take care of this amoeba problem at the gate, just run over their toes with your roller. Got to. Granted, you might, you might run across a bad dude. You might, but there's security everywhere, right? You got backup. You're fine. Mm-hmm. I had better luck this summer on our trip to the UK. We we made a stopover in London, or excuse me, Iceland, Reykjavik. Man, they got these tight. The boarding process was unreal. It was efficient beyond belief. Um, yeah, it was just great. Yeah, those Norwegian countries. I got to think they're a little more civil out there, right? They've they've yep. got it down pat. I think so. All right. I don't really know what the transition here is, Bob, but I was in Atlanta and the Green Bay Packers had a football game against the the Falcons. Entertaining, right? I think it kind of went how anybody would expect, right? Whether you're a Falcons fan, a Packers fan, a general NFL observer, you've got a couple young quarterbacks, fun offenses that were put together, um, really for the first time this season. But but Green Bay, I think with the wrench with this team was no David Bakhtiari, no Elton Jenkins shortly into the game, no Christian Watson, no Aaron Jones. I'll be honest, you know, when, the, when that injury report was announced in the press box, I, I really didn't think Green Bay would keep this one close. I just thought Atlanta would overpower them. And they did double them up in yardage. But, and we'll get into it. I know that you've got some questions on the game as well. To, to me, and I, I wrote on this for uh, our, our column on Monday, for all of the talk about Jordan Love for the last six and a half months and everybody wondering, oh, is he ready? Three years? What is he as a quarterback? Like, is he going to hold this team back? Jordan Love is fine. He, he's thrown six touchdowns, no picks. He hasn't been perfect. He missed some throws. He obviously had the, the quarterback sneak ball start gaff, but he put that team in a position to win the game, 12-point lead, fourth quarter, with all these injuries. I, I think the concern should have been the defense, and it sure as hell didn't look much different than what we saw most of last season under Joe Barry, at least in that fourth quarter. It was ugly. So I think that's a concern. David Bakhtiari, in his situation, whatever it is, is going to be a concern. 
And I hate to say it, Bob. AJ Dillon, maybe a concern. May, maybe, maybe concerned. You might have been onto something there. Um, but, so, you T, know. So, T, I didn't see any of the game, all right? Other than they cut from the Lion uh, Seattle game to the last minute. So, I saw the final Packers series. So, let me ask you a few questions. I'm curious. I mean, I'm looking at the stats. Uh, Robinson, 19 for 124, and Alger, 16 for 48. Where were the problems in the Packer run defense? Mm. Well, Bijan Robinson is everything you, you would think he is. I've said this before, but the best way to describe Bijan Robinson is just it, it, it's a palpable feeling in that stadium. I mean, however he gets the ball, wherever he gets the ball on the field, you can just feel the atmosphere inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium just, just just lift. I mean, it gets louder instantly, like something crazy is about to happen. Did you catch his uh, his double juke on Kingsley and Igbari, Darnell Savage? Oh, it was, it was filthy. I mean, in the same play, he just broke both of their ankles. Mm. You can split them out. There's a, you know, they go five wide and they get Devondre Campbell on Bijan Robinson. And if you're Campbell, you're not going to press man him, you know, see a go route. So he's giving them this cushion. They just run a slant. I don't know how you defend him. So I'll give Joe Barry that. Like this was a really difficult player to defend, but it just seemed like they were really confused by the shifts and the motions. That was what Kenny Clark told me. He he said they 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 didn't really have a sense of urgency defensively and getting lined up pre-snap and really getting locked in on this is our job. This is what we're going to do. Arthur Smith has. You know, he, he's, ca- he's caught some flack the last few years for some in-game decisions. When it comes to play design and play calling, he, he is in that upper tier in the NFL. I mean, you can just see it. He gets bodies moving all different directions, and he had Joe Barry on the ropes in the fourth quarter. Not just in the run game. You know, they started letting Desmond Ritter play a little bit for, for much of his career, whatever it was last year, three, four starts, and the first six quarters of this season – they, they've kind of been hiding him, trying to win in spite of him. And he was able to cut it loose a little bit, make some plays on the run, throw it downfield. And he played well. I mean, they had almost, they almost had 500 yards and they left a lot of points on the board too. Let me it, it, just, it just kind of brought me back to the Philly game, right? Maybe it wasn't as bad as that, but just that helpless feeling you know, inside the locker room, Larry McCarron was asking this question. I thought it was really good. You know, you covered Larry. He works for the Packers now. Uh, he was asking Quay Walker in that scrum, like, is it psychologically, is there an effect when they're just kind of wearing you down? Like, does it kind of mentally wear on you? And he he denied and just said, hey, it's big boy football. But that's what it felt like. It, it just felt like they didn't have an answer physically, mentally. And if I'm a team playing the Green Bay Packers, I'm just, I'm running the ball. So um, I see Walker had a bunch of tackles. Now, he was invisible in the first game. You know, their problems against the run, I mean, Campbell is – he's older and he's he's not a take-on guy. I thought Walker was a late reactor in the first game. Um, You know, Devontae Wyatt was not a run player last year. I wonder if you noticed any – if that was a problem. Was he vulnerable? 
Kenny Clark, not what he quite used to be. And Slayton's a brand-new nose. Lowry's gone. He was a run-stop guy. Um, so I don't – did you see any personnel weaknesses that just would be responsible for that 200-plus? I would probably be uh, pretending to be Bob McGinn if I'm uh, <laughs> breaking it down player to player. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure who to blame. Yeah. It just felt like, and it's tough because you don't want to go to the extreme of the defense is terrible, fire the coach, all is lost the second game of the season. It just kind of felt overall like a like a helpless Helpless, helpless scheme against this offense with all of these big bodies, right? It's a big, big Falcons team. You got big receivers. You've got the highest paid guard in Chris Lindstrom. Tyler Algier is a, he's a bowling ball. You know, as I was kind of going into the Falcons locker after, I can't remember. I don't know which coach it was. One of the assistants was kind of BSing with Algier on the way out. And he's like, he's like, man, you are going to be a problem for these safeties trying to tackle you. And he mentioned the Mm -hmm. Packers safety. He's like, because I give him credit, I think it was Rudy Ford, maybe. He's like, I give him credit for sticking his nose in there on you. That's a wow. combination. When you can get Bijan in space, and he's got that elusiveness to just stop on a dime, change direction, and then Algier is just, you know, a freight train. Hmm. It's, I think that, that takes a toll. And these linebackers, and you probably would have a better answer on this. Like, you said how Devondre Campbell's not a take-on guy. Quay Walker's a first-round pick. Probably... He's probably bigger than than a lot of inside linebackers, but but still kind of built for the modern game as a pass defender, even though he had the one ball bounce off his chest. And boy, that was bothering him to his credit. He he wishes he had that back. Oh. I just think that the Falcons are going to give a lot of teams a lot of problems mm-hmm. because they're they're built to run the ball downhill and force these lighter linebackers who are so used to dropping into coverage and taking away a deep over route or even defending RPOs and using their athleticism and their brains. Like you've got to use your brains against the Falcons, but I think it, it it's as much brawn as anything. Like, good, yeah, good luck taking on some of these guards that are pulling with these backs behind them. So that's why I, I, I hesitate a little bit to go to the extreme, but I think it is a major red flag because I give green Bay all the credit in the world for having the guts to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Oh, they had to bite the bullet, eat all that dead cat money. As you said, back on the February 17th podcast, and these these big games, these big moments, people are held accountable. Aaron Rodgers checked out that Lions game, didn't show up. He was a, a zombie himself that game. It was rough, right? He was like, he's standing in front of the gate, not moving. Come on, Aaron, let's go. So he was held accountable. Well, Joe, Joe Barry, he stayed. And I'm sure Matt LaFleur is looking at those last, what, four games when the defense kind of came together and put a little weight on that. And and even Joe Barry has said, we can't wait until December to kind of turn it around. So he stuck around. We'll see how it plays out. Look, if they kind of figure it out, good for them. Matt LaFleur did the right thing. All I know is, you know, you've got the Miami Dolphins. They upgraded to Vic Fangio. Cleveland Browns upgraded to Jim Schwartz. And look at, look at those defenses. Look what they're doing. I, Maybe it's like the pro player bias inherently in me. I just see eight first round picks for Green Bay. I think there's it's a lot of talent. <laughs> it's a lot of talent. I, I tend to put this on coaching yeah. for them players. 
So um, one more question, T. Um, it's awesome that you were down there. Uh, you know, the, those Atlanta crowds, Georgia Dome and Mercedes-Benz, they're always late arriving. Yeah, My former great, colleague, great right D. Here. Orlando Ledbetter, down there covering for the D-Led. Atlanta JC. Yeah. Oh, I had a great chat with D. Led. He always laughed about that. They show up about five to one, you know, or something. So was the crowd kind of pockets of empty seats? Was there any noise or excitement? Do they care about pro football down there? That's a great question because I was really interested in that myself. It had been a while since I was in Atlanta. You know, I was around the Falcons during their Super Bowl run in 2016 a little bit, doing stories at Bleacher Report, maybe at a game or two then. But, you know, they're the best team in the NFC. They're excited. Of course, they're going to be into it. And then I'm thinking back to like 2011. I know the Packers played in Atlanta then. We covered it. And it was a mix. Heavy Packers crowd after the Super Bowl season. So I'm looking around Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This is 15 minutes before kickoff. And yeah. it was barren. I mean, it blew me away how there, how empty it was. F- 15 minutes before kickoff. Exactly. It filled up quick, right? It By the time the ball was kicked off, it was full. And to their credit, it was loud. You know, granted, the Packer uh-huh. fans traveled, of course. You know, there, there were times out there when the old Go Pack Go chants caught on in the whole stadium. And you can see the green and yellow everywhere. And they, they, they brought it like Packer fans travel to this one. But I think if we've, I know we have some Packer fans that listen to the podcast that were at the game. We were talking a little bit on the game day chat. Um, I think they'd even attest. I thought the Falcon fans brought it when, when the Falcons were making plays, the energy in that building was authentic. It, it wasn't the old uh, Metrodome pumping in noise. Like it, it, it felt real. Granted, they did have Samuel L. Jackson, you know, up on the video board for uh, a pre-recorded sketch here and there. But it, it it was a good atmosphere. And I think if they're like, you know, these big market teams that are transient cities, and that's what Atlanta is. I mean, everybody kind of moves to Atlanta. You know, they're, they're Bills fans, they're old Washington Redskins fans, they're Pack, whatever. Yeah, I think that's their battle is, you know, trying to build up an organic, real fan base. In, in addition to having the Georgia Bulldogs, what, hour away in Athens, whatever it is, and you're in SEC country. It's and the Atlanta a lot of Braves. factors, but I was impressed. I, I thought the Falcon fans, they represented well. OK. All right. Well, Atlanta next week goes to Ford Field and that's the game I watched. I watched four games in its entirety this week. So shall I chat about the Lions a little bit here, T? Yeah, yeah. And this is probably a good opportunity to just remind listeners what the tie and Bob is going to sound like this year, right? Like we'll have that gravitational pull to the Packers because you've watched this team since 1979 and I was on the beat and we obviously cater to our our Packer fans here at Go Long, but I think it'd be great. And I know you really want to do this too, Bob. To, to look at some other teams, look at some other games. And that's what we're going to do throughout the season with, with, with a lot of NFC North talk, right? So you're right there yeah. in Lions country. So you've got a lot of access to the Lions. The Vikings are interesting. The Bears, oh man, the Bears. We'll, we'll be talking about Justin Fields at some point. Uh, but yeah, that's how it will look this year. We'll and, diversify you know, the old uh, Ty and Bob portfolio. 
So as I talk about these teams, I mean, then Packer fans who are listening can just relate what I'm saying about these other clubs to them. I mean, I'm going to be watching mostly NFC teams, NFC North, NFC, and then AFC. But, you know, just kind of put two and two together, and I won't be actually comparing them to the Packers, but you certainly can. All right, Detroit. All righty. Go Long subscribers can get the full episode of this Ty and Bob pod. GoLongTD.com to upgrade. We'd love to have you join our community. Inside this episode, Bob breaks down the Detroit Lions lost the Seattle Seahawks, the Cowboys Jets game, the Vikings Eagles game, as well as the Saints and Panthers. So uh, we would love to have you join the community. Thank you so much. When you become a subscriber, you can access all podcasts, including Favre with Pro Football Hall of Famer Brett Favre, the Ty and Bob Pod, and of course the Go Long Show with Jim Monas and all team deep dives, all player profiles, Q and A's, columns. Would love it if you made the move. Thank you so much to everyone out there for considering, and hopefully we'll catch you next time here on the Ty and Bob Pod.